thank you that he has been coming to Alpha and he's been enjoying it as well. We thank you for all this and we ask that you would break open your word for us this morning as we study. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, in, the <laughs> in the television show Monk, which, you know, I've rarely watched, but I guess there's a, a, a Captain Stottlemyre, if I say his name correctly, and he struggles with anger in that show. And in one episode, he, due to a false accusation, he punches another cop, and which leads to him having great problems in his job and his marriage and everything else, and not to mention he screws up the, the crime scene and so, uh, it, you know, it hinders the investigation and all that. And um, unfortunately, the captain's anger that day caused significant sort of, you know, unintentional consequences, and he hurt a lot of people due to his actions, and uh, we know that uncontrolled anger rarely leads to positive outcomes, Right. Rather than building up relationships, anger can be um, a force to tear them down. Uh, and we've seen that too often. Anger comes from fear and pain and frustration or just feeling out of control in life. And it reveals itself in various ways. Um, outright rage, passive-aggressive anger, self-abusive anger, silent smoldering, and so on and so forth. Anger is inevitable in us, right? The scripture doesn't command us to simply not be angry. It never says that. Rather, to be responsible and productive when we are angry. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. So, which suggests you can be angry in a positive way, doesn't it? But in the moment of your anger, there is a great temptation to use it wrongly. It's hard to teach on anger, by the way, and not make it a, sound like a psychology thing. And, and I, I really don't want to do that. Um, I want to see the Lord's hand in this, right? Uh, anger can be assertive. It can be constructive when we uh, don't avoid conflicts, you know, in a passive way, but we, we, we head, head into them in a, in a positive, healthy way. We don't devolve immediately into outbursts of rage, uh, what we, which we've seen across our country uh, lately in the last few years quite a bit. Rather, you know, we, uh, we, we, we go at it with a healthy and productive expression of our frustration, right? To make positive change uh, with others, expressing how we feel in a healthy way. In a, in a calm manner, we might say, you know, I feel angry when you do X, Y, or Z. And then ask questions of the other person to understand uh, them a little bit better, right? That's just plain maturity. Combining this with appropriate body language, it can diffuse a situation which might otherwise be volatile. We even have biblical righteous anger, don't we? You know, which uh, arises when we, we witness an offense against God or an offense against his word. Jesus demonstrated this in uh, Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13, when he flipped over the, uh, the tables of the money changers, and he even whipped people at that point. Believe it or not, fuzzy little lovey Jesus whipped people. Uh, but remember, being God incarnate, right, Jesus knew his boundaries far better than us, so we can't use that as an excuse. You know, we can't be so quick to express ourselves in such ways, um, we, we often will make that mistake, right? 
Today we're going to be looking at wisdom, the wisdom of God as it applies to our anger. We begin with James 1.19 today to set the tone, which says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should, now uh, means everyone, everyone means everyone, right? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, right? Because looking beyond the moment, uh, reading between the lines as to what's happening behind the situation or underneath the situation, knowing that there's more to a situation than may be immediately evident, that people act out of a lot of things. Slow to speak because given the first words that we usually, uh, that usually want to come out of our mouths are not actually the most helpful. And slow to be, become angry since oftentimes what initially uh, angers us is not the whole truth of the situation, right? And there are more complicated hidden details uh, involved in this whole thing, usually. As a matter of fact, when we wait, we listen, and we reserve judgment, anger is often replaced in a situation with compassion and understanding many times. Amazingly. But we've all witnessed the opposite of this. I can think back on my life and see, remember people that have just flown off the handle. The one who doesn't listen, who speaks directly out of their emotion and reacts in rage. We have phrases for it. I just used one. He flew off the handle. There was no uh, reasoning with him. He's a hothead. And none of those things we want said of us, of ourselves, right? I'm sure many of us have at one point flown off the handle quickly, only to find out later that we were wrong or that we didn't have all the information and then we had to eat crow, which is not a very tasty meal. Right? But a wise person is patient with others and mature in handling their anger. When you ex experience anger, it's simply wise to slow down, to breathe, to listen, to remove yourself from the situation if you need to calm down a little bit. And as far as possible, we, we strive to extend mercy and forgiveness to that other person, remembering, remembering how God handled his wrath against our sin. In addition, we practice patience through understanding of the gospel, understanding of human nature, and every person listening to my voice today are in the ongoing life class of human nature and divine nature. That's what we're in. And by the way, you have the most complete and correct guidebook to these things, to human nature and divine nature, in the Bible, not that you can know everything at all times and always know every little detail, but Christians should be or should strive to, to grow in, in becoming experts on both divine nature and human nature and how the gospel applies to relationships and situations. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding. <coughs> Whoever is patient has great understanding. But, who is he who, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Or in other words, you're acting like a fool when you're quick-tempered. The word for anger in the Hebrew is af. <laughs> you can kind of hear it in the pronunciation, af, right? It's rooted in the concept of someone who is angry, so angry that their nostrils are flaring, right? Like a two-year-old stomping the ground, you know, snorting at their dad, <clears throat> you know? 
or like, you know, a grown man in a physical altercation, you've seen that, and you pull them apart, and the guys are just, they're just breathing heavily through their nose, or a giant bull snorting at a matador. That's the image of that. Some things make us angry. Denying that would be futile, right? But it's important to approach anger in a slow manner and not to let it run wild. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? My son ran with bulls in Pamplona, Spain. I'm a very proud father of that fact. He stood at the top of the hill before it all began, and he looked down at the, down at the pen where they were keeping those bulls, and it was way down the hill, and he said, wow, they're small. Ain't no thing. I can do this, right? No big deal. But as they were loosed and they ran up the hill, they became larger and larger and larger, and they were snorting, right? Like our Hebrew word for anger. And Aiden ran for his life, and he thought to himself, what have I done? I don't want to die in Pamplona, Spain. <laughs> Every year, somebody gets gored or, or dies in that running, right, in that event. There is no containing the anger of an enraged bull. You just have to let it run its course, right? And that seems to be true of some people as well. Anger is expressed, as we know, in different forms. Some are like that angry bull running the streets of Pamplona, verbally or even physically violent. Just this week, we saw a bunch of teens beat a guy, on a weatherman, on a subway in New York City, because he stepped in, he just said something, hey, don't do that, when they lit an old man's hair on fire. We saw five cops beat another man to death in Memphis. Anger. Those are frightening moments we see all too often in this country. It's sad. However, not all anger is outwardly verbal and, and physically violent. Some just let their anger smolder, right? They, they use carefully placed cutting words and manipulation to attack someone. Some just give the silent treatment they, they, or they cut off the relationship uh, uh, you know, rather than working through the problems in that relationship. Other, others utilize social media right, to vent their vitriol since it's so easy to do from the anonymity of your computer screen. While we were in uh, Savannah recently, a police officer at the table next to, her, we, to us, we started talking, and he said uh, that in their training they found that the more disconnected a society is, uh, the angrier people become. So they see the most angry situations on, on the roads because people are locked in their cars and they think themselves disconnected or, or anonymous. Like, none of these people know me out here. I, I'm, I'm safe inside my car so I can just do whatever I want, scream whatever I want, honk as much as I want, right? Passive-aggressive anger is avoidant and one of the most difficult with which to deal. We know that. It reveals itself in cutting comments and sarcasm or an intentional lack of a response. It can also look like closed-off body language, like you're always standing there like this, right, or, or continuously procrastinating at work or, or outright disobedience. It occurs when we suppress how we feel and we attempt to avoid all types of conflict and, always, and it always has this deep negative influence on relationships. It's passive-aggressive Pam on SNL. Take a look.
That's good. We can stop it there. Just go to the next slide. It goes on for quite a while. I don't want to bore you with the whole thing, but it's, it's a good image of, of passive aggressivity, right? You know, outside of assertive anger, all other forms are damaging in their expression, right? And it seems to be stoked and not cooled off in our society. We are encouraged to, to vent our anger out there in the world and to make our anger known. We've become a society of activists. Everybody's just PO'd about something, right? And this is why the proverb states, whoever's slow to anger has great understanding. When we're able to see the problems in light of the larger plan of God's working in history, we are able to move more slowly, right? Not everyone in the world and not everybody out there in our society and our neighborhoods is able to see how God can take something bad and turn it around for their good, right? Since not all of them out there meditate on or rely on the Word of God, these rich words and intimate sort of fellowship with Jesus. Not everybody's ingesting this stuff. I often think, what if Jesus never came? What if none of these words were ever spoken? What if the Bible was never written? How different our society would be. It would be drastically different, right? And so many people simply don't know, and therefore they don't believe what Romans 8.28 tells us, and that, that says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, right? They don't know that, they don't believe it, they don't live by it. But someone who understands these things knows how God operates in the world, and they will be slower to get angry at things because they will be on the lookout for what God is doing in any situation. When we're confronted with anger from another or within ourselves, how do we handle it? How do we handle it? Well, our first inclination, and this is where we break from psychology, our first inclination should be to take our feelings to the cross in prayer. It should be our first thing that we do. We know the truth of 2 Corinthians 10.15, or 10.5, I'm sorry, which says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We go to Jesus and we ask him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves in the moment. And for us to be able to apply this proverbial advice in those moments. Being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And to also exercise patience, as Proverbs 14.29 tells us, which is the capacity to accept and to tolerate delay or trouble or suffering or even injustice without getting angry or upset. And that kind of patience is only born out of the wisdom and the knowledge of God and the, and the understanding of human nature. It comes about best by the power of the Holy Spirit residing with you, of taking the Word of God into your heart and your mind. And with the knowledge that vengeance is God's business and not ours. Never ours. Since only God can mete out purely righteous judgment on anybody. Mine is always tainted. Yours is always tainted. Romans 12.19 and Hebrews 10.30 both remind us 
of the verse in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, where God says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. See, we have a long-term view, an eternal view of reality. Other, other people don't. In the end, our weapons are spiritual in nature, as we see in Ephesians chapter 6, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness covering us, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and continual prayer in all situations. Continual prayer. In other words, when we are dealing with anger from somebody else or within ourselves, it's a total reliance on Christ if we are to manage it well. It really is. When things don't go your way, when someone cuts you off in traffic, uh, when you suffer at the hands of another, or you suffer under some great injustice even, the Christian knows and sees the larger picture of Christ in the world. And they're able to rise above that moment, to able to trust God is present in every situation, no matter how bad it looks, that all wrongs will be righted, that all crimes will be paid for in the end. That every injustice will be answered with God's justice. That whatever we miss out on this life due to these things, we will be flooded a thousandfold in eternity in reward. It frees us from trying to control a, an un uncontrollable situation or person, and it takes away that sense of victimhood which permeates our society so badly right now, violently just ripping away at its fabric, all the fabric of social relationships. Satan is having such a good time these days. Patience displays deep wisdom and understanding. But folly is shown in the person who can't exercise patience. Their emotions lie just below their surface, ignited by the smallest of infractions. You're walking on eggshells around them. They're not in control of themselves, right? They're, rather, they're controlled by their self-centered desires of their sinful nature. Remember, we take all thought captive to Christ, including the angry ones. The world's advice to us says, do what you want. Do what feels good in the moment. Show your anger. It is the worst advice possible for us and for everybody else around us. Now, patience can feel like a denial of self, of dying to self, of being quiet when you want to lash out, right? A sort of laying down of your own life, your own will. And it is, it's exactly that. It is a dying to yourself. Since the patient sees something of the cross in every situation in life, and their lives are governed by the message of the cross. That's the difference. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, those who do not walk with God. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's what the cross is. 
And then he continues with that thought, to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Amen to that. Do we trust God's wisdom even when it seems so foolish to everybody else around us? Don't let them treat you like that. Get back at them. No. Oh, you fool. The question is, what's the message of the cross? And for our purposes this morning, it can be summed up in that statement Jesus made while he hung there dying for the sin of, of those that actually crucified him. When he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. So we look to Jesus and we think, Jesus suffered injustice to the point of death. He displayed great patience seeing the larger picture of the Father's plan in the world. Taking the insult, even the physical abuse, understanding human nature. That those people were merely reacting without control of themselves. Self-sacrifice or not fighting for your perceived rights is absolute foolishness to all the world around you, but in the message of Christ, it is power and wisdom. Power and wisdom. The foolishness of God is certainly wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is certainly stronger than man's strength. And when we act out of the message of the cross, many a conflict and unnecessary hurt can be avoided, and reconciliation and growth are possible. Because when we're in a hot situation and we display patience and understanding, we gain control over our emotion, which otherwise might compound a bad situation. Emotion is rightly placed under the authority of Christ for ourselves and for the others involved. And that way we can practice Proverbs 15.1, which says, a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Or verse 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Don't you want to be that guy? I remember the story of a woman who was attacked in a park. Her attacker proceeded to try and, there are no kids in the room really, try to rape her. And as he was on top of her, she was a Christian and she amazingly felt this great deep sorrow for this guy. So instead of reacting in fear and anger, she asked the Lord in prayer at that very moment what she could possibly do. And the words came to her mind very quickly. He, God said to her, ask him what his grandmother would think of him right now. So she looked up into the guy's face, and in a calm voice, she looked at him, and just, she just said, she asked that question, what would your grandmother think of you right now? And he fell backwards, and he began to cry, and he ran off. Amazing. Amazing. See, for fire to burn, it needs fuel. It needs something to consume, doesn't it? Right? The U.S. Department of the Interior explains that anything, can burn is fuel, anything that can burn is fuel for a fire. During a wildland fire, all kinds of plant material can act as fuel, including grasses, shrubs, trees, dead leaves, and fallen pine needles. And as the burnable materials pile up, 
So do the chances of catastrophic wildland fire. In the right conditions, excess fuel allows fires to burn hotter, larger, longer, and faster, making them more difficult and dangerous to manage. So in order to protect against catastrophic fires, management of fuels is absolutely necessary, right? And this can be done by managing carefully controlled fires before the fuels become too excessive, thinning out trees in the forest, you know, clearing brush, clearing glass, uh, gr uh, grasses and leaves, using herbicides, things like that. So we learn from that that it, when, when we find ourselves in a volatile situation in which people are getting angry, the best thing to do is to treat it like a fire and try to remove the fuel from the situation. And the best way to do that, according to Proverbs, is to listen and be quiet. Proverbs 15, 18 states that by being slow to, uh, slow to becoming angry, we can help calm down the situation. So often when people have a disagreement, though, they're seeking to respond or just react rather than to understand the situation or the other person. The wise path is to try to understand the other person's point of view, um, and this is best achieved by just simply listening to a person, right? This is why the Apostle James' words so, sound so familiar to, to the Proverbs when he states in James 1.19 that we're to be quick to hear, slow to anger. When we're quick to listen and slow to speak and, and slow to become angry, we're able to understand someone and diffuse a situation much easier. That word for anger in Proverbs, as already mentioned, is af, right? But this word can also be translated as wrath. They sound very familiar, or similar, don't they? When something happens that makes us angry, it can be easy to want to punish that other person. But it's helpful for us in that moment as mature Christians to remember what God did with his wrath against sinful humanity. He took the punishment upon himself, didn't he? He was, he was the offended party. But he took the punishment upon himself, and he forgave us our sin. He hung on that tree, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When we become angry, it's so easy to lash out. But instead, consider the one who was lashed for our sins and by whose wounds we have been healed. Remember how God handled his anger towards us. He restrained himself. So stop, pray, breathe, listen, be patient. Give some space to the conversation if need be so you can cool the fires of runaway anger. Even if restoration of relationship is not possible, for as best you can, forgive that person since it's only going to benefit your own soul to do so. There's no reason to hang on to, to the bitterness of our rage. It just eats us alive. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you um, are so practical and so useful. Your word is so clear and useful and helpful and powerful in our relationships with each other. You walk with us. You, you have taken the time to not only 
write this stuff down, but to model it for us, even to the point of death. We want to be growing in these fruits of the Spirit, in our self-control, in our love, in our faith, in our peace, in our wisdom. So we pray that you would just Like baby birds, we would just sit here with our mouth open and you would just feed us and feed us and feed us. That we would grow stronger and stronger and stronger by the nourishment of your word. We thank you that you are a good God. You are a just God and you are a loving God. In Christ's name we pray, amen.